you hear it a lot, to grow the game. What does that mean? You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Angels, your team every day. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I am Dan Garcia, and on this episode, uh, you, I want to talk about the phrase to grow the game. With all the negotiations and all the stuff in the news today, I think that term gets thrown around a lot by fans, by owners, by players. I, but I think it, it, it differs for each group. I think the fans mean it one way. I think the owners mean it one way. And I think the players mean it a different way too. Is one way wrong compared to the other? I don't know. But I really think that we can find out what each of them means. So when you hear this in the news, you kind of understand where they're coming from. And I think a lot of it is, well, this person said that or this person said that, and you totally disagree with them. But that owner or that person that represents the owners, Manfred, is coming from a whole different direction. And I'm trying to understand that as a fan. And I think as fans, we should try to understand both sides of the story. So obviously, with the owners, we'll start there. I think when the owners say they want to grow the game or their priority is to grow the game, even though I don't think it's a, a major priority, to be truthful, um, is money-based. Obviously, these owners now are different than owners you know, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s where those owners owned the baseball team and that's it. So their reputation was pretty much based off of how your team does. Does it get a pennant? Does it make a serious run to a World Series? Now, it is about the business side of it. How much money can I sell my franchise for? How much money is my franchise worth? And a lot of these owners now are owners at something else or they're making their majority of their money somewhere else. And this is honestly kind of like a toy for them. They can mess with it when they want. They can kind of interject themselves when they want. But at the end of the day, they're still trying to look for a profit. These guys come from the business side where if you don't continue to try to grow financially, someone else will someone else will and pass you by. Owners, unfortunately, and I think this is a hard truth, don't really put the fans as their top priority. Or even the fact the game that much as the top priority. You know, the uh, the rules or how it looks on tv or how it comes across to fans i mean we're in a situation now where the three major outcomes you hear that a lot walks uh strikeouts uh, home runs those are the three major outcomes and all through this conductive bargaining discussions you have yet to really hear any kind of discussions about the rules to make the game better Everything is money-based. The tax, the minimum, the player pool. Everything's money-based, and I think it shows a lot about where the owner's mind is when it comes to the game. Owners want to grow this game financially, not only in the United States, but also worldwide. They want to get a whole nother audience in a different country to add to what's already going on here in America. And as Angel fans, you kind of understand that with Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is the link to Japan following, you know, obviously Ichiro. Ichiro kind of opened that door and now uh, Otani is the next big guy to come through that door. And 
Quite frankly, he might be even bigger than Ichiro when it's all said and done. But baseball loves the fact that they can pull ratings, pull merchandise, pull sponsorships from that part of the world. And even, too, with Shohei, I'm sure Artie Marino loves it, too. You didn't see advertisements, you know, four or five years ago behind home plate with Japanese writing on it. You didn't see advertisements on the and throughout the ballpark with a Japanese product. But now that Otani's here, obviously they know where the eyes are coming from. And that's part in their eyes, the owners, I think, of building the game. Another part of part building the game probably comes also from the players. The players want to build the game too. But like the owners, I think their majority or the priority they have, sorry, is they want to get paid. They want to get what's theirs. They're the ones that, you know, let's be honest, fans come out and see. Fans want to see Mike Trout. Fans want to see Shohei Otani. Fans want to see uh, David Fletcher. And they want to be compensated correctly for it. And I think they should. I think they should. But again, like the owners, I don't think growing the game and where that where the fans think they should is their priority. Is it somewhere down the list? Three, four? Oh, I'm sure. Because that helps them out. More people watch the game, the more people go to the game, helps them out. But I think they want to be put in a situation where they can make a living. And some might say, well, how much do you need to make a living? But at the same time, if you're the top 1% of what you do, you should be paid like you're the top 1% at what you do. And when you do have a skill that brings in tons of money, you deserve part of that pie. And I think that's what the owners and the players are really discussing about how big of that piece should be. But the players can grow the game too. The players can go out there. You can build the game by just handing out a ball, signing a ball, waving at a fan. We've all been to games where these 9, 10, 11-year-old kids are there. Make an impression. Make an impression where... This guy is cool. This guy waved at me and makes him want to come back again with their parents. I think that's really what drives the growth of the game is getting the youth. Getting the youth into the game, getting the youth to be a part of the game definitely helps grow the game. And I think the players, some of them do a really, really good job of it. You go to Angel Stadium, you've seen a handful of players do a really, really good job of it and be interactive with younger fans, whether it be through signatures, whether it through just be a simple wave. But there's also fan or players that aren't necessarily that nice, <laughs> to be frank, you know, or they're so in the zone they can't happen to wink or or wave or do any of that stuff. Which, you know, at your job, I guess I completely understand. But at a certain point, you do need that kind of interaction to grow the game. I think the players like the fact that the owners are trying to make this more lucrative. And again, it comes back to money. The more lucrative the owners make it. The bigger part of the pot, bigger piece of the pie, the players want. So, with that being said, I think each part of this equation, players and owners, have a certain responsibility to grow the game. Owners can very easily grow the game by eliminating blackouts. How frustrating is it when you're trying to watch your team, your local team, and you can't because of a blackout on MLB TV? That is really bad. Quick story. Went out to Hawaii to uh, with my wife for her 30th birthday. It was during baseball season. I was like, great, three-hour difference. I'll be able to watch the Angels at 4 o'clock, get done, and then go to dinner. Blacked out. Hawaii, five-hour plane, plane, uh, plane flight, 
from LAX to Maui, and yet I'm still in quote unquote angels territory, and my team's blacked out. Now you go to the hotel, and they don't have Bali Sports West on the TV, and now you're out of luck. So little things like that can really help to grow the game. And on Twitter, I put out, what do you think grow the game means to the fans, to people on Twitter, at Locked on Angels? And when we come back, I'm going to give you a little sample of what they said and kind of summarize because I got a lot of responses. This is the time of year where I pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right thanks to Built Bar. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they are covered in 100% chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compared to candy bars, which usually are around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. As I mentioned before, I love reaching out through Twitter, through Instagram, again, Twitter, at LockedOnAngels, and then on Instagram, at Halo underscore Haven, to see what you guys want, what you guys want to talk about, or your thoughts. I, I like the community aspect of it. I don't want to be here talking all by myself. I want to get some of your feedback. So anything you have, go ahead and DM us, comment us, whatever. Uh, DMs are open on both platforms. I usually do a pretty good job of responding back, but definitely reach out to us again at Locked on Angels on Twitter and Halo underscore Haven and on Instagram and let me know what you think. So like I mentioned before, I, I tweeted out the fan aspect. What do you think grow the game means as a fan? Because that's a third part of this puzzle. This is the fans. They show up, they watch, you know, and if everything works out right, they buy some of your sponsor's stuff. So that's something that I really wanted to reach out and see what they thought and people on Twitter thought. And, you know, I'm not going to read word for word, but a lot of them came back and talk about make it fun for the younger fans. Now, that can mean, like I mentioned before, throwing a ball, signing a ball for a kid. But some of it, too, is the bat flips, the celebrations, not so old school. And I think there's some kids, not kids, I think there's some players, younger players now, that are embracing that. The Tatis, the uh, Vlad Juniors, those kind of guys, I think, are embracing it and making it fun again for younger kids to watch baseball. And they show a little more personality. And another one person said on here, too, is like that. Sell your athletes better. You know, make them fun. Make them out there doing commercials, out there doing certain uh, appearances on whatever you can get them on. Because there are a lot of good personalities, fun personalities out there in baseball, and they have to make it fun. Baseball should be a fun, should be a kid sport at heart. And maybe now that some of the older 
older heads are retiring, the, the old school way might disappear a little bit more. And I think that's exactly what this sport needs. A little a little injection of youth. And you're kind of seeing it more and more as teams go to the youth movement. Guys that are 21, 22, 23 years old are having a way bigger impact on teams than they ever have before. And with that, they are also making the overall league younger, more energetic, being able to you know, play Tatis on a video game, playing MLB The Show with Shohei, playing MLB The Show with Vlad Jr., playing, you know, MLB The Show with all these young, great talents, Acuna. Like, you you can literally go on and on with all the great young talent there is in baseball right now. And that's a way to build a game from a fan's aspect of it. And, yes, it sucks that the business part of it gets in the way of enjoying it because a lot of comments were talking about, well, ending the lockout and going to have fun and going to games and now people are kind of you know i hate to say it but looking forward to not having baseball not looking forward to it but can see the writing on the wall and notice that there's probably not going to be a ton of baseball in the upcoming future you know report dates or the first games quote-unquote games the spring training games are, are going to supposed to be in a week but obviously that's not happening with uh major league baseball canceling the games all the way up to march 5th now, is there still time to get a, some of the spring training in? Absolutely. Is there still time to get the full 162? Yes. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll give a little bit of an update about what's going on with the negotiations so far this week a little bit later. But like I said, people want to see players have fun and not bat flip being the guy next you know next time he comes up. And I think, honestly, with with the youth movement, I think that's getting better. I think the attitude of you don't want me to celebrate, well, then don't let me hit a home run is kind of uh, at least growing a little bit. And it will take time for it to expand into into other parts of baseball. You know, like I said, the older people get, I guess the more grumpy they get and they don't want to be shown up, which I understand. But it's part of the game. And I think that part also grows the game. Another way I think fans can help grow the game is support minor leaguers, support amateur baseball, college baseball. Um, independent baseball, wherever you're at. I think it's fun to go out and watch the game for the game. Even though some of these guys that you see at Inland Empire 66ers or Ranch Cucamonga Quakes or Lake Elsinore Storm will never make it to the majors, for them, this is a dream that they're trying to fulfill getting to the majors. And be a part of that. Be a part of the crowd when they hit a home run and you're cheering. I think that helps grow the game too because maybe now that guy that was on the fence about whether or not to continue his dream playing minor league baseball can now get a little more encouragement and be like, you know what? All right, let's, you know, I did something right. Let's keep on going and it can turn into something great down the line that helps grow the game. And that's something where I think the fans can do a huge part of it is just showing your support to the lower levels. Like I said, the minor leagues, the, you know, if there's a college around your area and you just happen to check out a game, like on a Saturday, or a high school. I have friends that have kids in high school now that I try to go to those high school games as much as I can just to at least, you know, support the youth and, and show them that, hey, you know, keep on going, keep on playing. This is a really fun sport for a lot of people to play. So I think there's a lot of ways that people can grow the game. Obviously, players, owners, they want to grow the game financially. And I think, obviously, the fans want to grow it through fun, through experiences. I think each fan that goes to a stadium 
whether it be on opening day or whether it be the last game of the season, they're looking for an experience. They're looking for a good time. And I think the more often you give those fans a great experience, the more likely are they are more likely they are to come back. And that's how you grow the game. In my eyes. And again, I want to hear your response, your ideas. Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I totally out of left base or left field? I want to know what you think because there's so much that goes behind this that's kind of hard to articulate it here without a discussion going back and forth. But again, you can reach out to us at Locked On Angels. Uh, you can either comment there or DM us there. And same thing with our Instagram at, at Halo underscore Haven. DM us there. You know, I'll try to get back to you as much as I can. And just so you know, um, if you do leave a comment and on Twitter and your profile is private, if Locked on Angels doesn't follow you, I do believe it doesn't pop up. And in that situation, it might be better for you to just to DM uh, Locked on Angels on Twitter because then that will show up in the message uh, file. So we're going to hopefully talk about this more and more as the season gets closer. But coming up next, it is 2-2-2 two, two, two on Tuesday. So who are the best guys to wear number two for the Angels? And who is the best guys to wear number 22 for the Angels? Plus a little bit of an update on the union players talk. Football might be over the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your number one source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you've been following like I have, you see that the owners and players have been meeting the last couple days down in Florida. Uh, the good news is, is that it's longer than 15 minutes. They've done it for back-to-back days. Uh, as you listen to this, they're probably in a meeting right now on Wednesday. So that's always good news that they're trying to work towards that. I, I call it an imaginary deadline of the 28th of February to get everything going and having a full spring train or not full spring training, but a full season with a four-week spring training. I do, though, feel like that four-week spring training, I don't think that's going to be a hard number. I think there is going to be a little wiggle room, even if it's like three and a half weeks to three weeks of spring training. I understand why you need spring training for the pitchers to uh, work out their arms, especially the starters, but there's a very easy fix to that. If you remember the COVID season, they let you expand the rosters to 28, I believe, to deal with that, and then after like the first month, you had to go back to the 26. They can very easily do that again. You can go to 28, 29, whatever, and after the end of May, you have to put your roster back to normal. That's a very easy fix if they're worried about the length or the strength of the pitcher's arm. So I'm not necessarily sold on the 28th as a quote-unquote deadline to have a full season, but we'll see how that plays out. But the good news is that they are meeting for the last couple of days down in Florida. Um... Like I mentioned, there's been a little stuff here and there. Uh, you talk about draft picks and when is you know the lottery, how many teams are going to be there, eight or four or five. That's something that has been going on for a little while. Uh, Super 2 players, the percentage of Super 2 players has been another issue. Um, 
and we'll see how that plays out. But they are making perhaps more progress than I think they're letting on. Um, the good news is, like I said, it seems like they're meeting together and then they kind of go to their separate corners of the stadium and meet together. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure if they come back, but at least now they're meeting day by day and, you know, hopefully they're able to, to make some very necessary headway in the next couple of days because the 28th would be ideal, but I don't think that necessarily means that it's going to be a hard deadline and we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, hopefully by Friday when the next podcast comes out, we'll have better news than kind of the little nuggets that have been coming out here and there for the last couple days. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I kind of have now a 50-50 feeling that it's going to, they're going to get to that deadline. I think the next two days, Wednesday, Thursday, will be a huge part of what happens there. I do think one sider is going to have to budge just a little bit. I'm just not sure who is going to or what they're going to budge on. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. But like I mentioned before, on Tuesday, it was 2 22 22 and a lot of people want to start talking about it. i'm sure you've probably seen it on other locked on broadcasts if you follow another uh, other ones about like the best 22 and the best tw- uh two who wore the jersey and franchise history so you know just thinking real quick kind of who do i think is the best angel to wear number two So just so you know, there's been 15 total players on the Angels that have worn the number two. And here's my top three. And again, like it, don't like it. I want to hear your response at LockedOnAngels on Twitter or Halo underscore Haven on Instagram. Number three, he's with the Angels from 2016 to 2020. Andrelton Simmons, obviously an absolute wizard with the glove. Offense was a little bit up and down and something to be desired, but I think for the number twos, I think he's number three. So number two, who wore number two, Eric Ibar. And part of me just feels this way because he was with the Angels for so long from 08 to 2015. There's something there about longevity. Obviously, uh, Simmons was like his replacement. But I think Eric did a really good job at shortstop for the Angels in that time period. And the number one player to wear number two for the angels again this is my ranking like it love it hate it i don't know adam kennedy from 2000 to 2006 and if you don't know what he did in the 20 uh the 2002 playoffs then i don't know what to tell you but because of that i think he's obviously the top angel to wear number two for the angels now let's go to 22s 32 total players have worn this uniform for the Angels. And again, top three. And this one might be a little tricky because you might not have remembered it because it happened so early in his career. Kendrys Morales. He wore number 22 from 06 to 07, so for two years. But he was with the Angels from 06 to 12. An unfortunate accident after a walk-off home run. I think something that the Angel fans will never forget um, about that walk-off celebration on home plate. Something that a lot of people, a lot of Angel fans think really, really changed the that season for the Angels. But also going forward because he was having a great year. He was a reliable hitter. But unfortunately with that accident at home plate, 
seem to totally spin the angel season and future after that. Number two to wear number 22. And again, another guy that wore it for part of his career, David Fletcher. Obviously, he's been with the Angels from 2018 to recent to now. But he's only worn 22 the last two seasons. When you, if you remember, when he broke in with the Angels, he wore number six. But now he's a 22, and he's my number two, 22 for the Angels. And number one, because of I guess we're having a 2002 family reunion in sorts. Number one, David Eckstein. Even though he was only with the team from 01 to 04, you cannot forget how vital of a role he was in that 02 World Series run. And everyone likes that Eckstein. And it's kind of funny now that Fletcher is wearing 22 because a lot of people are making that comparison right away when Fletcher made the switch to 22. But there you go. My top twos, my top 22s for the Angels after 2, 22, 22. So something that you don't see every day, a lot of repetition. Um, but, you know, got to take advantage of when it pops up and it's a good uh, talking point. And again, like it, don't like it. Send us a message. Send us a DM at Lockdown Angels on Twitter or Halo underscore Haven. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Lockdown Angels. Really appreciate you listening. And hey, they brought me back for a second one. So I guess it can't be too bad. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, and it's free wherever you get podcasts. So until next time, I'm Daniel Garcia. Have a good one.